Hey, Excel. Hope everyone's doing good. I hope you're enjoying your uh, last bit of summer before everyone goes back to school or um, uh, goes back to learning, I guess, because you're not going actually back to the building yet, most of you. Um, but uh, I just want to, before I get into the message uh, tonight, I want to give you a quick announcement. Um, kind of an announcement. We want you to be on the lookout because we're going to be doing an announcement within the next week or two uh, in regard to small groups and hopefully getting together in person uh, for small groups. So we're working on some details to be able to do that. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be like it always was. Obviously, we want to have some safe practices. We might have to do this outside. Uh, there's some extra parameters, wearing masks and, and making sure that everybody is safe and socially distant. But I'm just telling you, I, I just want to be with you guys. I just want to hang around you. Just seeing you, even if it's with the mask, uh, I just, man, I'm so excited to have an opportunity to do that. And just speaking of small groups, I was talking with one of our leaders the other day, actually, and uh, we were just kind of sadly reminiscing on the fact that we would have already had our small group kickoff by this point. And for those of you who aren't a part of Excel or have never been to our small group kickoff, it's something we do annually to start the small group, the fall semester of small groups. And uh, it's this fun time where, you know, we, we do this big race. Every small group competes against each other and you rep your colors and you get all excited and, and there's all these obstacle courses and horribly disgusting things to eat, which is why Mark Santos is not allowed at these games anymore. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, we're, we're doing all this craziness. And I was thinking about it as I was thinking about these games. It's amazing to me how easily we can pitch you against each other just by giving you a color, slapping a name on you, and having you compete. Uh, I've seen students uh, like almost rip their best friend's arm off in order to win. Uh, I've seen people get super heated, and that always makes me laugh. It never fails that someone says, well, they cheated and you want them to win and how come they don't have to? And they're always looking at the other one and there's always this kind of anger that wells up and, and it's not fair and this and that and, and people get angry. I mean, leaders, adults get angry during these games and I find it hilarious mostly because uh, there's no anything you're getting out of this. Like, there's no prize. I mean, maybe if I remember... Um, I might get you a pizza party the next week, but I remember there was one time in particular they were right at the finale of the race and everybody's eating these giant Sundays together. So imagine a group of, you know, 15 kids all eating out of one Sunday bowl. That's already gross. I mean, talk about pre-COVID life, right? Could you imagine us with all that saliva and, and people were, you know, scooping it in their mouth and it was dropping back in the bowl and the next person was scooping that up. It was gross just then. And, uh, and they're going, I'm screaming, eat it, eat it. And one kid looks up at me and she had this horrible look on her face. And she goes, what do we win? And I go, absolutely nothing. Because <laughs> I didn't have a prize for you. It was just the competition. And that's all fun when it comes to small groups. But I was thinking about them. It's actually the title of this message, them. Because I think more and more we are kind of picking sides and forming groups and isolating ourselves from them or vilifying them. You know, I was just thinking about this week with uh, yet another man shot, an unarmed uh, African-American shot by a police officer. And it just feels like once you start to make a little bit of progress, there's there's this backlash. And, and, and the worst part is, is 
them starts to pop out, right? There's everybody on every side and everyone wants to take a side and everyone wants to argue their side. And it becomes this very much aggressive thing. And we start to view people, not as people, but as them. And when it's us versus them, like my friend Zach said earlier, nobody wins. And, and this is what we're seeing both uh, socially, uh, we're starting to see that with the presidential election coming up politically, you're seeing that even in the church, uh, there's just more and more. And again, for some of you teenagers, you might be observing, it may not be happening to you directly, but when stuff like this starts to happen, uh, it gets a little crazy and honestly, it gets a little scary. And so uh, I remember just the last few days, I'm reading I'm several articles, I'm trying to figure out what's all going on and... And, and how am I supposed to respond both as a, a father, a man, uh, a husband, your pastor? And um, I just felt this deep, deep sensing to pray. Uh, I was so excited even just yesterday being able to go to our prayer meeting and, and take time and go before the Lord. And here's something that I really believe in. You've heard me say this already uh, over the last several months. If it's something that's weighing on your heart, if it's enough to bother you, it should be enough for you to pray about. Those are great indicators. When something is weighing you down, when something is causing fear, anxiety, stress, rather than just sitting there and marinating on it, this is a great indicator to bring it before the Lord. And it's something that the Apostle Paul is reminding Timothy and you and I to do in 1 Timothy. Uh, there's, there's a great passage of scripture that I want us to go over. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to look at four verses, verse 1 through 4. He goes, I urge you, first of all, and, and I want to stop right there because I think this is important. First of all, is it, he didn't do, you know, first this, second this, third this. There wasn't two, three, four after that. First of all, and how he wrote it meant, hey, listen. Uh, priority is this. Like, you got to make sure you're doing this. Before you do anything else, make sure that this is a priority. And I think in situations like what we've been experiencing, there's a lot of questions of what can I do or what should I do? And Paul is reminding you and me as believers, first of all, this is what we do. And he goes, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. There's uh, four aspects of prayer that Paul breaks down in these four verses. Four different aspects of prayer. It's not different prayers, but different parts of prayer. And I want to walk us through those four parts because I think they're important for you and I to incorporate when it comes to them, right? And, and so if you're taking notes, one of the first things you want to write down is the fact that he said, pray for all people. Pray for all people. You might want to underline all and people because I want to focus in on that. First of all, notice that he says all people. He doesn't say pray for my people. He doesn't say pray for good people, pray for evil people. He says pray for all people. All people includes everybody. And again, a lot of times, uh, you know, we want to focus in on our family. Like it's easy to pray for my friends, my family, uh, people that I know directly because I'm affected by them directly. But here he's saying to pray for all people, the people you love and the people you feel you hate, the people you have a relationship with and the people you might never see. 
Pray for all people means that you and I are called to go into prayer on behalf of everybody. To not pick sides, to not decide who deserves it and who doesn't deserve it, but to make sure that we are praying for all people. Oftentimes our prayers are limited to the side that we've chosen. We only pray for us. We don't pray for them. But God is saying, listen, there's no us and them. God doesn't look at it like, you know, Republican, Democrat, black, white. To God, all people are summed up in lost and found, right? And he loves them both equally. The found are already with him. The lost, he's still drawing near. Like God wants all people to be reconciled to him. And so there is no other division that we come up with. That's a man-made thing. All the other factors that we divvy up, that's us. That's what we do, right? And we do it in everything. Oh, you go to that school. I go to this school. Oh, you're from that neighborhood. I'm from this neighborhood. Oh, you're, you're that culture. I'm this culture. Like we all find some reason to not like somebody or to differentiate ourselves from somebody. But that's not what God does. So that's why it's easy for him to tell you, listen, pray for all people. Yeah, well, you know, they, they, they just don't think like I do or they don't understand what it's like, what I'm going through. Pray for them then. Pray for all people. Listen, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 45. You have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Listen, God is reminding you, you're no better than anybody else. We all fall short of the glory of God. God lets it rain on good and bad people. God is just to all those things. And so, God is reminding you, listen... Don't hate your enemies. Pray for them. Pray for those people that you, you know, had have this animosity towards. Think of the, the worst of the people. Think of, you know, uh, people like, there's a category, like imagine pedophiles, you know. We're seeing a lot about save our children. And that's huge. That's important. As a dad with a baby, that is huge on my heart. But am I willing to go and pray for a pedophile? Or do I just feel like, no, you know what? They deserve the worst thing that could ever happen to them in prison. And listen, I get it because there's a tension in me that feels that way. But there's also a spirit in me that says, I'm just as wretched as any other sinner. And God wants me to pray. It's hard to understand, especially when you hate someone and you vilify someone and you demonize someone. They're part of that group. And we're seeing it all across the spectrum. You know, Republicans about Democrats, Democrats about Republicans. You know, Black Lives Matter against cops, cops against Black Lives Matter. You're seeing like all these different factions and and sections that are, you know, old and young and black and brown and white and all these different factions that are coming against each other. But listen, here's the problem I find oftentimes when we summarize it or generalize it, I should say, into a group. Because he says, pray for all people. And I think the problem is when we generalize, we can also dehumanize. When we generalize, we can also dehumanize. And here's what I mean by that. When you generalize a whole group, right? When it's blacks, when it's cops, when it's white people, when it's brown people, when it's Chicagoans, when it's whatever, when you generalize it, you take away the face of the person and you make it into this whole group. And you categorize all people into this narrative that you have of said group. You want to be careful about that. 
because they're still people. Those are still individuals. They might have made horrible mistakes, mistakes that they deserve to pay consequences for. And yet they also deserve the same grace that you and I have received from God. I'm not excusing their behavior. I'm not excusing what they're doing. I'm not saying that it's right. They'll have consequences on earth and possibly even after. But listen, you and I are not the judge. God is the judge. Our job is to pray for all people. And I think it's important to keep in mind people. To put a face to this person. That each individual person is someone who Jesus Christ died on the cross for. Each individual person, the vilest person you can imagine, the worst of the worst, the serial killer, you know, the, the Nazi in World War II, these people that in movies and all that, we've, we've made the villain. And I get why. But Christ still died for them. To have an opportunity to accept him and to turn from their wicked ways and become righteous in God. Now, I'm not saying everybody does that, but everybody deserves an opportunity to do that. And we need to be careful when we categorize and villainize and we forget to love. We forget to be who God called us to be to them. Listen, I, I know it's hard and I know, you know, words are almost never enough. But I think that's why Paul doesn't stop right there. He says, pray for all people. And he goes on to say, ask God to help them. If you're writing notes, number two is ask God to help them out. Again, I think this is just as important because you and I can't change somebody's heart. You know, your rant and your posts and, and, and listen, I'm all, you know, if you want to bring awareness and all that stuff, that's cool. But trust me when I say this, your passive aggressive post isn't changing too many people's minds who are on the other side of that ideology. Okay, if anything, people are digging into their trenches, they're, they're staring down at each other, and they're creating more and more hate. Listen to me when I tell you that only God can change the heart of man. Yes, there is plenty you can do on a practical level. You know, they're talking about voting, they're talking about uh, protesting, they're talking about activism, donations, you know, whatever, right? There's all those things that you can do. And, and I'm, I'm for a lot of that. But... Nothing can substitute prayer because you can put all the laws in place you want and the law can't change a human heart. Half of the Bible, the Old Testament, is all about the fact that the law can't redeem us, that rules and regulations isn't going to change the heart of a man. Only God can do that. Listen, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 through 27 says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will make I, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Listen, those regulations cannot be followed unless God has his spirit in you. Okay? God is going to be the answer to this. And so we need to pray because your prayers will go where your words may never reach. Okay? Your prayers can reach the heart of someone who has completely closed their ears off to you, but they can't close their spirit off from God. God is tugging at them. God is pestering them. God is pulling at them to get their attention because you are willing to pray for them. Ask God 
to help that individual, right? When you're frustrated, when you're angry, instead of just sitting there and murmuring, ask God to help that individual, right? When, when we see these atrocities on TV and, and we see these things happening before our eyes, rather than, than being just disgusted, and I get that's a natural reaction, but also, God help them. And not just in a flippant way of saying it, but in a genuine prayer, Lord, I don't know what it takes for a human being to get to that level. Again, I, I mentioned something as horrific as a pedophile. I will never, ever understand what is going on in the heart of a human being who takes advantage and hurts a child like that. I'll, I'll never get it. But I know this, it's demonic. It's 100% demonic. And the only way that that demonic spirit can be overturned is by God's help. I want to ask God to do something that in my own hands I could never do. Listen, rather than just sitting there and getting mad, pray. Ask God to help him. As a matter of fact, take it a step further. Because he didn't just say, ask God to help him. He goes on to say, intercede on their behalf. Now, there, there's a slight difference between intercession or prayer. Prayer is, you know, you're asking God for things. But intercession, it has a lot to do with empathizing, right? It has a lot to do with feeling what they're feeling. Think about this. From the Latin, it's intercessionum, all right? The, the root words are inter, between, and sido, I go. In other words, when you intercede, you're the go-between. You are the one who's going between God and them, who is asking God to, to, to bless them, who's asking God to not allow his wrath to come over them. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet by the name of Samuel. And Samuel, he kept telling the people of God, the, the nation of Israel, to follow God and to want their decrees. And, and they were a stubborn people. They, they wanted their own way. They wanted their own format. They kept demanding a king. And Samuel's like, what do you need a king for? You have a God. But no, we want a king like everybody else. They, they wanted to follow the world's model. And eventually Samuel, and well, I should say the Lord, told Samuel, fine, we'll give him a king. And watch what's going to happen. And I want you to notice something. Right? Because once all this starts to happen, now they're starting to get worried. Now they understand, wow, we, we've upset God and, and maybe things aren't going to go so well for us. And in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20 through 23, the Bible says, Don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong. I love that he's not giving them a pass. He's like, no, no, no doubt. You messed up. But make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. The Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name. For it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. I'll be honest with you. Uh, there are people that uh, have gotten me to that point where I don't want to pray with them or I don't want to pray for them. As a matter of fact, I, I'll, I'll say it differently. Yeah, I want to pray for them, but I want to pray that God would take them out, that God would hurt them because they've, they've angered me or they've upset me or they hurt me. And, and it's one of those things where it, it's hard for me to get to the point where I can go between them and God, I want to shove them into God's righteous judgment, man. But the Lord, he quickens my heart on that. 
as I as I begin to pray and as I begin to intercede. I remember there was a time uh, where I left the church because I had such animosity towards an individual. To the point where whenever I walk in and I see that person, my whole body would shake because all I wanted to do was punch him in the face. It, it wasn't right. I'm not saying that I was right. I'm just telling you how I felt. And I knew it wasn't right. And I knew God didn't want me to feel that way. I felt I was justified. I felt I was right. But I knew that I wasn't. And I remember things didn't begin to change until I started to pray for him, until I started to intercede for him. And trust me, that was the hardest thing for me to do. But I knew it's what the Lord wanted me to do. And as I began to intercede for him, something began to change in my perspective of him. Something began to change in how I saw him. I didn't forgive the bad things that he had done to me, but I did start to realize, you know what? Put in the same situation, I'm capable of maybe doing some of the same things he did. As a matter of fact, uh, I love this quote by Oswald Chambers, one of my favorite authors. Listen to what he says in regards to intercession. True intercession involves bringing the person or the circumstance that seems to be crashing in on you before God until you are changed by his attitude toward that person or circumstance. People describe intercession by saying it's putting yourself in someone else's place. That's not true. Intercession is putting yourself in God's place. It is having his mind and his perspective. When you intercede for the people that you perceive to be your enemies, for whatever other side, whatever them you don't agree with, when you begin to intercede, you start to humanize them. You start to see them the way God sees them. Listen, no one more than God deserves to be angry at us and deserves to lash out at us and deserves to cry for justice. And yet, he desires reconciliation. He desires that you and I have a relationship with him. He is willing to look at us in our worst of our worst and restore us. It's when you intercede that you begin to see things the way God sees things. It's when you begin to love those that you hated. It's when you begin to have empathy for those that you wanted the worst intentions for. But you can't get that without interceding, without trusting God. And as I start to wrap this up, there's one more thing that as I was reading this, and again, and I preached to myself before I preached to you, I'll be honest, this was probably the hardest one. Because uh, I, I got no problem praying for, for all people. It's something that I've tried to work through, right? Uh, I, I want to ask God to help because I know that my words are not enough. I, I want to intercede so that I can begin to see things differently and see them through God's perspective so that it doesn't weigh so heavily on me. But the last thing that he says is interesting, right? He says, ask God to help them, intercede for them, give thanks for them. Now, this is hard when you look at them as enemies. It's hard when you see them as something other than who you are. Give thanks for them. They're the reason I'm struggling. They're the reason I'm suffering. They're the problem. Why would I give thanks for them? But here's what I understand in prayer. God knows there's a problem, right? And as we're praying... We're unraveling that. We're discovering what that is. And, and sometimes in the midst of prayer, we realize what the real problem is. And it's not just individuals. It's a, a spiritual thing. But giving thanks does something towards the end. I think that's why Paul puts it at the end. Because I think a lot of times we do a great job of dwelling on the bad things. 
Again, just this week, I, I was reading article after article, watching video after video of all the aftermath that's going on at Kenosha and, and all the craziness. And, and I'm just kind of being absorbed into all this. And, and honestly, it was taking a toll on my spirit. I, I felt myself uh, just you know emotionally, physically, psychologically uh, getting down. And I realized, ah, no, I, I need to see God. I, I need to, to be refreshed. I need to make sure that I set my priorities right. And one of the ways to do that is by giving thanks. It's an attitude of gratitude that begins to to change that and, and change your heart. And it's hard to do when you're being thankful for them. But as much as I don't like certain things, I try to look at the things that I, I can't appreciate. I'm thankful for people, particularly young people, who are passionate about social justice. I'm thankful for police officers who do a hard job day in and day out and manage to do it with integrity and respect life. I'm thankful for politicians who partner with communities and actually make some difference. And listen, I know Chicago, we have the narrative on politicians, but uh, one of the things we've been able to do with World Vision has been through a partnership with our aldermen. I give thanks that I, we can do that, that we can partner to reach our community. And by the time we're done with what we've been doing on Fridays, we would have served over 1,200 families in our neighborhood. I thank God for that. I'm thankful for a God who shows me the same mercy and grace when I'm wrong because I can easily be them to someone else. And my hope is that they show me the same mercy and grace that God shows me. And I can't expect that if I'm not willing to show them that. I try to, to focus on the things that I'm grateful for. I try to focus on the things that I'm thankful for. Because listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And listen, be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Listen, God's will, his desire is that you be thankful in every circumstance. Whether you have a lot or you have a little. Whether, you know, the streets are burning or, or where there's mega peace. Like in, in spite of the circumstance, God wants us to be thankful. And trust me, in the darkest of darks, there's always something to be thankful for. There's always something we can praise God for. And I think oftentimes we can get sucked into this narrative that, Everything is horrible and everything's bad and nothing's ever going to change. And trust me, I've, I've felt that, uh, you know, when is this going to change? Is this ever going to change? Are we going to be like this forever? Is this going to continue? Is this just our narrative? But I'm thankful that I have a God who can change things, who will change things as we continue to pray and seek his face. As I was thinking about all the racial injustice and stuff and Again, you know, whatever side of the aisle you get on, that's between you and God, man. But I was reminded of uh, Martin Luther King. And I know that sounds a little cliche, but I'm not going to quote you his I Have a Dream speech. But I love to read a lot of his writings and uh, a lot of his prayers. And I want to read to you a prayer he made in 1961 in Detroit, Michigan. He said, God, we thank you for the inspiration of Jesus. Grant that we will love you with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves, even our enemy neighbors. And we ask you, God, in these days of emotional tension, 
when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent and chaotic in detail, to be with us and are going out and are coming in and are rising up and are lying down and our moments of joy and in our moments of sorrow until the day when there shall be no sunset and no dawn. Amen. That's my prayer for you and I. That God will be with us, that God will help us, and that God will hear our prayers as you and I intercede and go to him. I want to encourage you as this wraps up, take a few minutes at the end. No matter when you're watching this, just take four or five minutes. Try to get alone. And could you take some time to pray for those that you perceive as enemies? To pray for them, even when you feel like it's hard. Them might be this, you know, giant thing, like a, a whole entire race. Them might be that person that hurts you, that you have uh, unforgiveness towards and that you haven't been willing to let go. Let's be honest, we all have a them in our lives. And God is asking you to pray, yes, even for them. With that said, let me pray for you as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, God, because at one point or another, we were them to you. But you chose to reconcile us through your son, Jesus Christ. You didn't allow your righteous anger to take us to where our sins deserved. Father, I pray that we would have the same heart towards our fellow man. Lord, that we wouldn't demonize or dehumanize, but we would pray for them, Lord. And even those who have done horrific things, Lord, we know that you are a just God and there will be consequences for their actions, but there can also be hope for their eternity. So God, we pray, help us. Help us to intercede. Help us to ask you to help. <laughs> help us, Lord to have that nature that you have, God, to be more like you, to be grateful that we have you. Father, we thank you for this all, Lord. Help us in our prayer life, God, that it may increase so that we can see this world come unto you and have peace in our land. We thank you for it all, and we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I love you, Excel. I'll see you soon.